All the time he's good. Amen. Just remember, next Sunday, the time changes. Spring ahead. And uh, that means spring is here, right? No more snow. Thank you, Jesus, for that prophetic word. Hope it's not pathetic. Amen. Oh, you are here, Bernie. I didn't notice you were here. How's your dad? It's okay? Amen. Praise God. For Wednesday, um, we're going to have a lot of representation from the community association here helping us. And a lot of uh, kids from the Cubs group. So um, it could be 30 or 40 of them. And uh, what a great opportunity for us on our turf to get to know some people. Amen? So I encourage our youth, our young adults, our adults, our seniors, everybody, come and be a part of it. And there will probably be more bodies than we can get around the tables, whatever, but great opportunity to stand there and chat with somebody, encourage them, answer their questions, um, because they're coming to us. Amen? And uh, then pray that on the 31st of March, the snow will be gone. Um, Please, Lord, hear my prayer. Tim Hortons is going to be there with their truck and uh, giving coffee and hot chocolate. Our alderman, uh, our, our alderman uh, Ward Sutherland will be there. And uh, so it should be a, a good thing. Now, also, will you remember March 19th? Mark on your calendar, March 19th in prayer. The Conservatives have introduced a motion in Parliament. And uh, our government's going to be voting on this uh, summer student grant business. So um, somehow they've been able to um, introduce a motion that will have to come to the floor. So uh, be in prayer that um, level heads will prevail because uh, nonprofit organizations and such across our country do a tremendous service for our nation and would be very hindered if they didn't get this grant. So pray March 19th as uh, it comes to vote. Well, today is our last Sunday in our series on strong relationships, and um, so we're, we're, we want to talk about conflict. How many have ever had any conflict in your life? Anybody? Only a few of us? Well, let me create some. I was just, just kidding. I think we've all had conflict, whether it's our siblings, whether it's between kids and parents, parents and kids, neighbors, workplace, school. Um, There's a huge movement, and rightly so, on the whole bullying aspect in school. And and, um, how many of of you that are married have had a conflict in your marriage? Anybody? No, wait, wait, wait. How many have had a conflict in your marriage? Anybody? How many have never had a conflict in your marriage? You're not married. Maybe you didn't call it conflict. I'm not saying fight. Conflict can be a disagreement. It could last a day. could last longer, whatever. But we want to talk about conflict. 
And uh, there's, there's just no way that we could do a teaching series on relationships and the, and the biblical basis of relationships without acknowledging that even in the best of relationships, there's conflict. The strongest relationships, whether it's a marriage, a friendship, co-workers, you have disagreements. And here's why. You've heard the phrase, opposites attract. And they do. Now, I discovered, I didn't discover this just recently, but men, when you go shopping with your wife to the mall, and you're looking, or she's looking for a pair of shoes, how many shoe stores does she go into in the mall? How many say every one of them? And she may go back to the very first store and buy the first pair of shoes she saw. Now, when you go looking for a pair of shoes, how many shoe stores do you go into? Probably the cheapest one. And it ends there. One. It's like when I go Christmas shopping, usually my habit had been to go to Christmas Eve. I go in, I buy it, and I'm out. Maybe 25 minutes if there's a lineup in there. I discovered that when women go shopping, you cannot make a woman into a man when to go shopping. They need to browse. They need to check things out. Because for them, it's an experience. Now, men, I'm, I'm sure you're like me. You've gotten frustrated when your wife has asked you... Where's Marilyn? She's not in here. When your wife has asked you to go shopping with her, right? She's listening out there. I know it. And uh, you say, okay. And so you're going into one store, two stores. The third store, you're saying, I'll just sit out here and have a coffee. Fourth store. Fifth store. And you're getting impatient. Has anybody experienced that, men? Now, understand. She's getting just as impatient with you because you are not participating in this experience. Now, ladies, you heard this in your study on the brain, men's brain and women's brain. You're studying about the mind and your life groups. Now, the men's brain... Relax, the men's brain is bigger than the woman's brain, very slightly. The gray matter of a man's brain is much bigger than a woman's gray matter, but her white matter is bigger than a man's white matter. Are you following me? But the whole brain, man's, is bigger than woman's. But that means nothing, okay? Women still need to experience shopping as an experience. They, it's all about their emotions. It's how they feel. It's, what, it's the event they're going to attend when they buy those clothes. It's, it's an experience where men, when they... Oh, hi, dear. When men go shopping, it's just an event. You're in there and out of there. We don't waste time. But if you want to reduce conflict... Go with her. Smile. Oh, that's very nice, dear. Uh, No, I like that one better. Try to enjoy the experience. And ladies, when men go shopping, 
They want to go to Rona or Lowe's or Canadian Tire. And you don't like the aroma of those stores. But you're walking with them because they're looking at tools that you know they can't afford. And they want to get something. And so you're saying, that's really nice, dear. We need to understand one another if we want to reduce conflict. Conflict is going to be inevitable in life. It's just going to happen. But we need to, we need to do... So maybe, maybe us men need to attend the ladies' life group for a while and listen to about the brain. And maybe, ladies, you need to attend the men's one. Because we're talking about the brain too. And so I encourage you to be at your respective studies and learn together and share together at home when you get home about what you're studying. But we are attracted to those who are opposite of us. Now, some are attracted to... A, when I look back in, in Bible college, and I was attracted to Marilyn, it's very obvious that I was attracted to her good looks, but um, did I get any points for that? No. Um, <clears throat> but I was attracted to her love for the Lord. And um, I had no choice but to go into ministry, because she said she was going to marry somebody who was going into ministry. Now, that's not why I went in ministry, but I was attracted to her love for the Lord, and that love has been sustained and grown over the years. And, there's, and uh, I was attracted to the fact that she was quieter than me. Can you imagine if there was... No, don't even try to imagine. If there was as boisterous wife as there is a husband... Um, just let your minds hang on that for a minute. But anyway, I, I'm grateful that we're attracted to opposites. Now, maybe, maybe you were attracted to the same, whatever, but generally, we're attracted to opposites. We're very different. My wife and I are very different, even after 40, almost 45 years of marriage. But the one thing we do share in common is our faith. Fortunately, we were both raised in a Christian home. And um, our faith really is is one of the strong points of our relationship. Even though we have had conflict in our marriage, we've had disagreements and discussions and things, and uh, she always wins, but... Um, <clears throat> See? We have a disagreement. Men, we always get the last word in any disagreement, right? And what's the last word? Yes, dear. Yes, it is. But there, there is disagreements. And it's unfair because I'm up here and she's not. But uh, anyway, it's, but it's our love for the Lord and our faith that keeps us close together and helps us to overcome those difficulties. And, and in life, we need spouses, we need co-workers and friends who don't have the same strength but who complement us, who make up for our weaknesses, who push us away from the extremes and who help us make up for that which we lack. Now... Opposites can attract, but opposites can also attack. And um, it happens in some relationships. Where we're different, where we disagree, there's always the possibility for conflict, for fighting, and for hurting one another. Now, I'm not afraid of, and we shouldn't be afraid of disagreements or conflict. Um, Scripture says, iron sharpens iron. There's something about discussing uh, different viewpoints. As long as we don't allow that to separate us, and we'll talk about that a little later, but 
Conflict can be a good thing in your relationship, but only when it's done God's way. Only when it's done his way. And you see our first verse in Matthew 18, verse 15. Jesus said, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. Now Jesus is making a very important point here. There are times when conflict is going to happen. In fact, there's times when conflict probably needs to happen. Understand, nowhere, at least I don't read in the Bible where it says you will have a better marriage, a better friendship, or a better work relationship if you don't fight and you never have a disagreement. Sometimes the disagreement is a good thing to have because then you're going to see a different point of view. And maybe that point of view, perhaps, mostly, is a better point of view than one you have. That you may never heard if someone didn't have, said, well, I don't think that's right. I think maybe this is right. Conflict, when we talk about conflict, is not a, you know, always a, you know, fisticuff, throwing things around, smashing dishes kind of a thing. It's just a little disagreement. But Jesus is making a good point. Now, what role does conflict play in our relationship? How should we handle it? Uh, let's look at a biblical look at conflict. There in your notes, in, in your bulletin. The first one, three biblical truths that we should know and understand about conflict. Number one, conflict is unavoidable. When two very different people who aren't perfect are in a relationship, there's going to be conflict. You're not going to agree on everything. There will be some disagreements. There will be times when when you're hurt by something your partner does or says or doesn't do. And there will be times when there will be a misunderstanding that you may not discuss at first, and talk about it. Conflict happens in a relationship. A simple disagreement can turn very personal very, very fast. What started out as a conflict over whether to get coffee or ice cream after dinner can turn into, you're a jerk. But what starts out as a disagreement over what to do about monthly numbers at work turns into, you're just stubborn and ignorant. Or some project at work. And soon, instead of a non-emotional, rational discussion, it all of a sudden becomes personal and things heat up and defenses go up. And then you say things that you regret. For conflict to be productive and not destructive, it cannot get personal. It has to stay focused on the problem and not the person. Secondly, conflict must focus on the problem not the person. And thirdly, conflict can honor God. It's unavoidable. There's going to be some disagreement, thinking different, whatever. You need to focus on the problem, not the person, and conflict can honor God. God can use conflict and disagreement to grow both your relationship and your faith. God and Moses had a disagreement. God was going to destroy Israel. And Moses said, God, you can't do that. Because if you do that, the nations are going to say, you brought them into the wilderness to destroy them. And God changed his mind. He said, okay, I won't. Disagreement is not always a bad thing. It can honor God. 
Conflict can move your relationship past roadblocks into a better future. But for that to happen, conflict has to be done in a God-honoring way. Notice in Romans chapter 12, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do the things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Well, that's a tall order. When we embrace God-honoring conflict, whether in our marriage or with a child or with a friend or with a co-worker, it grows us and it makes our relationship stronger. Now, how do we do it? How do we make the conflict in our relationships, how do we make it life-giving instead of destructive? That's what I want to talk about you, with you for the rest of our time this morning. Let's look at some biblical actions that will help us do what we're talking about, help us embrace God-honoring conflict. We're going to look at some of those this morning. To embrace God-honoring conflict, here's the first step. Always listen first. Always listen first. Now, guys, in a marriage, this can sometimes be difficult for us men. Because when our spouse is sharing something, we're already got the answer. We've got the fix-it. Rather than listen to the end of her epistle, we want to interject the solution. Because it could save a lot of dialogue if she would just listen. But guys... It's us, me, that has to listen. Now, do you, don't, you can talk to Marilyn about this, my wife. She will tell you, I do not have this down pat. In fact, some days I'm not very good at it. Right, hon? Oh. But we need to understand that we need to listen. When you're dealing with your kids... Listen to their explanation of why they did what you didn't like them doing. Kids, listen to your parents. Workers, listen to your co-workers. Always listen first. And another piece of advice that I I heard the other day on teaching the ladies are doing was, after you've heard them say, Is this what you meant? Because what they said and what you heard is not what they meant. Probably. Because we're in the fix-it mode. We're in the move on to other things. And so we need to learn to listen. When there's a disagreement, we need to be willing to really listen to the other person before you talk, before you respond. A lot of disagreements that we have, whether at work or with a friend or with a sibling, can be avoided if we would listen to the other person first before jumping to conclusions and jumping all over them. James 1.20, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Listening first prevents misunderstandings. It gives us insight into how the other person is feeling and their perspective. If you listen to the other person first without interrupting, The key there is without interrupting, you really take them seriously. Looking them in the eye, then they're going to be more likely to listen to you. 
But when we're listening to our kids, I remember, and our kids were growing up, and they were explaining something. Well, I was the wise one, because I was older, right? And I was a parent. So before they're ever finished at times, I was already giving the solution. Or why they did what they did was not right or whatever. And it, it, but it's important for us to listen to the whole thing before we interrupt. Now tied to this is something called, what they say is reading above the line. Whenever you're having a conflict with someone and your emotions are rising and you feel the anger rising, okay, who gets mad first in a husband-wife relationship, the man or the woman? Who gets angry first? How many say men? How many say women? Usually, guys, it's men. Now, who stays angry longest? Men or women? Women. Women take longer to cool down. And men, we have a great forgetter. We forget why we got angry. And we don't want to remember it anymore. Because it's embarrassing, whatever. But anger just, our emotions get up there. You feel the anger rising. And almost always you can receive what they're saying in one of two ways. The first way is to receive it negatively, what they're saying. And you can assume the worst intentions in what they're saying. You can take what they're saying as a personal attack. And that's reading below the line. I read below the line what I receive when they're saying is the most positive manner, I receive it above the line. So if you're receiving it in a negative way, you're receiving it below the line. If you're receiving what they're saying in a positive, constructive way, it's above the line. Let me ask you, when you're in the middle of a conflict with people who mean the most to you, do you tend to read above the line or below the line? Do you assume the best, and you can answer this yourself, do you assume the best or do you assume the worst? How do you react? You see, when I don't listen first, I don't usually know where the other person's coming from. I don't know their motivation, so I jump to conclusions. I envision the worst. I read below the line. So your boss comes and says, hey, can you help with this project? You think to yourself, you know what? They're just being lazy. They're being selfish. They want me to do this project so they can take the best project. That's reading below the line. Your friend says, hey, why are you late? And your thought is, what do you mean by that? Are you saying that I'm always late? You don't own me. That's reading below the line, assuming the worst from somebody. Listen, when we first listen, we can hear their point of view. We can see that their motivation, while maybe I don't agree with it completely, it isn't crazy, but we can understand it. Read above the line. Try to think the best of people. That's where something positive can begin to come out of conflict. When I assume the best and I read above the line, here's the point. The more that I listen, the more I understand, the better I'm able to respond, and the better the other person is able to respond to me as a result. And the first step to God-honoring conflict is always listen first. Listen. Second one. Never speak out of anger. Never speak out of anger. Now, I know it's hard because the very nature of conflict is confrontational. Whenever we feel threatened and our emotions get involved, and especially when we're tired and we're frustrated and we're emotionally invested in whatever the conflict 
is and whatever we're talking about, anger is a natural response. I'm not saying that you're never to grow to get to be angry, that you're going to be perfect at this. You won't because anger is a natural response to conflict. But listen, when we speak out of anger, we all know this is true. We say things that if, if we were in control, we wouldn't normally say. Just wouldn't normally say it. But we say things that hurt the other person, whatever relationship it is. That person hurt us, and so we say something, and it escalates the situation unnecessarily. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, some people make cutting remarks. Have you ever done that? No, you haven't. I know. Emotions were rising in the heat of the moment. Without thinking about it, you made a comment, really cut the other person. You tore them down. That's what he's talking about here. Some people make cutting remarks, cutting remarks. And then he says, but the words of the wise bring healing. When you have a conflict with someone, be wise. Don't engage them when you feel your anger is rising. Wait until you cool down. When you speak out of anger, you're going to use stronger and harsher words. And it's going to escalate the situation. The other person is going to last back at you, and pretty soon the conflict is not proactive. It's not God-honoring. It's destructive, frankly. And it's going to be embarrassing to you when you look back on it. It's going to be embarrassing to you that you acted that way, especially if some other people were around. You know yourself. You know when you're getting angry. You know when the conflict is getting personal. Know enough to stop, to walk away, postpone it. Husbands and wives, there can be a point where your, your emotions are escalating. Maybe you just need to say, Let's just revisit this in a little while. Not avoid it, but let's just revisit. Let's take a break. Calm down. Get some space. You're going to have to come back at some point and deal with the issue, but not when you're so emotional. At work, anger can break trust. It can ruin a career. When you feel your anger rising as you argue over a project, know yourself. Take a deep breath. Hold your tongue. Bite it if you have to. But... Get up, walk out of the room, go for a walk, get a glass of water, anything that you can do to keep from responding when you're angry. Never respond when you're angry. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger. Harsh words make tempers flare. It's not just the words that we say, though. Some people can say more with their facial expressions than you can say with your words. You know, the eyeballs roll back into the head. Or the, you know, or, you know, the shaking of the head or, you know, the gestures with the hands, whatever. And so nonverbal communication is important as well. Sometimes we just have to get up and take time to walk away and calm down, to embrace God-honoring conflict. Always listen first. Never speak out of anger. And then value, here's something, value relationship over resolution. Value relationship over resolution. It's important, honestly, a somewhat radical concept, maybe, but one that can really change the way that you handle conflict at home, at work, with your friends, whoever, in fact. I want to say this. Maybe you need to say it with me. Say, we're going to say this, relationship over resolution. Okay, let's say it together. Relationship over resolution. One more time. Relationship over resolution. I'm not saying we don't resolve things, but what is important? Is it important to be right? Is it important to make your point? Or is the relationship important? Which is the most important? 
friends, I want to say that relationship is most important. Relationship. We need to separate the person from the problem. In other words, I can be okay with you. We're good. Even though we haven't settled the conflict yet, even though we don't have resolution, I can still be good with you. The problem is a lot of times we value the resolution over the relationship. And this happens in all kinds of relationships. I can be friends with you because we disagree about this. I can still talk to you because we're having an argument. But I can still be a friend. Even though I disagree. If relationship is more important than resolution. It's not about everybody thinking the same or acting the same or being the same in order to have unity. How important is relationship to you? When you're having a disagreement with your friend, why are you having that argument with that other person in your life group? Why are you so mad at your spouse or the person you're dating You say, well, we disagree on this. Okay, so you disagree. Pastor, you don't understand. This is really important to me. It's of really high significance. It matters a lot. Okay, so it matters a lot. Is it worth throwing away your relationship over it? Is that disagreement worth throwing that person out? Away from you? We're always going to have some disagreements. Friends, I know, in church... There's always disagreements. Some of you in this room disagree with me on a number of things. Relax. I still like you. I still want to be your friend. And I disagree with some of you. But our relationship is much more important than all of us thinking the same. I could become very dogmatic about certain things in Scripture and show you verses about it, and you could be dogmatic the other way, showing me other verses. And so are we going to allow that? Well, I'm just going to go start my own church, Pastor. I'll just go right ahead and do it then. Relationships are more important than resolution. I'm not saying that we avoid discussion or we avoid healthy confrontation, etc., We're always going to have disagreements. Everyone disagrees. We just got to learn to let go of our pride. It's possible and perhaps healthy to be able to disagree with somebody about something important, to not have a resolution and still be okay with that person. My brother, he's in heaven now. Now he knows all the truth and should have listened to me before. But anyway, him and I had lots of disagreements. I never once said, you're no longer my brother. We had some great discussions and some not so great. But relationship has to be more important than the problem. It's a sign of spiritual maturity to be able to disagree with someone on something important, not have resolution, and still be okay with it. Can I say this? I'm going to anyway. We have too many babies in churches. The moment somebody disagrees with them,
Now, I'm not saying we're, you know, over ridiculous theology or whatever. And you know what I mean. I want you to decide right now. You need to decide this, if you haven't already, that your relationship is more important than the resolution. We need to choose the person over the problem. Say this. Choose the person over the problem. One more time. Choose the person over the problem. So often when we see people, we don't see people, we see the problem. God wants us to see people. Because that's how he looks at us. He didn't look at us in our sin and keep us away from him. He saw us as a person whom Jesus died for. And then he began working on us. We have to be able to trust the work of the Holy Spirit to work in other people's lives the same he works in our life. Because he knows best how to do it. You may disagree. You may not have worked it all out. But listen, give yourselves time and you'll see. Until you learn to value the relationship over the resolution, this next verse we're going to look at, it'll drive you bananas. Notice. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. How many have read that verse? How many know that verse? Don't let the sun go down your wrath, right? We know that verse. So we're laying in bed as a couple. And one of you is miffed. Rolled over back to you. And you're thinking, don't let the sun go down your wrath. Don't let the sun. So you roll the person over. We got to deal with this. Because the Bible says, don't let the sun go down your wrath. And so now the situation escalates. And it's two and three in the morning and you still haven't resolved it because it's not about relationship. It's about solution. That is not what this verse is saying. Well, we can't go to bed until we resolve the issue. We can't go to bed until it's settled. Until we come to an agreement. This verse does not say don't go to bed until your conflict is resolved. You have conflict. What this says is make sure the relationship is right before the day ends. If at all possible, don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed with resentment. Don't go to bed with bitterness. That means if there's a disagreement, sometimes you just have to say, look, we aren't going to settle this today. We aren't going to settle it tonight. That's okay. We're going to come back and deal with it tomorrow. But we're good, right? We're okay, right? Our relationship's okay. We have a disagreement, but our relationship is okay. Dear, I still am in love with you. Hasn't changed. We haven't settled it, but it's okay. I'm okay. We can have peace about it. Value relationship over resolution. Sometimes in the midst and the heat of a disagreement in the middle of the night is not a great time to resolve an issue. Now, other times you know it's time to, okay, we're going to deal with this and whatever. But don't take this verse and beat yourself up. And, uh, but obviously we're not to go to bed bitter, not to go to bed holding resentment. Can you really say the relationship's more important? I'm okay with you, dear. We'll discuss it tomorrow. Is that okay? Now, if the other person says, well, I really need to talk about it a little bit longer. Okay. Let's discuss it 
a little bit longer. If you don't come to resolve, we're not going to resolve this tonight, but I'm okay with you. Is that okay? Is the relationship more important than the resolution? Is being right so important to us? Is our point being so important to us? Always value relationship over resolution. That's not to avoid discussion. That's not to avoid coming to a resolution. No one's perfect at this. There's times we all mess up. There's times we're going to say, I'm going to say something dumb. There's times that you're going to make it personal. But instead of focusing on the problem, focus on the person. When that happens, to really value your relationship, we have to be willing to forgive. have to have the grace to let go of your grudges. Not your grudges, your grudges. You have to value the other person, whether it's a friend, the person you're dating, a co-worker, a friend, a spouse. Value them enough to forgive them and let it go. Just let it go. Someone should come up with a song. Brady, let it go, darling, let it go, whatever. Colossians 3.13 says it this way, make allowance for each other's faults. In other words, if you want to have a successful relationship, you've got to make room to understand that person is not going to be perfect no matter who they are. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you, remember. Maybe you need to underline this. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The Lord forgave me, so I must forgive others. Understand, as a follower of Jesus Christ, this isn't a suggestion. It's not one of the ten suggestions. This is a command. Jesus says, I forgave you when you didn't deserve it. I'm commanding you to forgive others even when they don't deserve it, even when they've hurt you and keep hurting you. Isn't it difficult when Jesus gets so personal? There are very few conflicts in this world worth throwing away a relationship over, whether it's a family member. I mean, we all know. There's family members who have, in essence, been kicked out of the family, ignored the family because of a dis- disagreement. Like, what's with that? You've got the same blood, same family, no interaction because of a disagreement. For our own well-being, choose to forgive. Value the relationship over the resolution. Value the person over the problem. How do we embrace God-honoring conflict? Listen first. Don't speak in anger. Value relationship over resolution. And the fourth one, seek godly compromise. There's some areas of our lives where the word compromise is seen as weakness, where you compromise what you believe in. I'm not saying that. When it comes to your relationship, compromise is a sign of spiritual maturity. It's a sign of godly wisdom. sign of wisdom. Here's why. Do you know what the number one cause of conflict is? The Bible tells us, Proverbs 13.10, pride leads to conflict. Pride. Let's be a little more specific. And maybe we need to get, my pride leads to conflict. It's the number one 
source of conflict in a relationship. Pride, be, being that feeling that I'm always right. I know better. I always have to have my way. We may not say it, but we live kind of like that. I'm not, I'm not going to budge. I'm not going to, I'm going to get my way regardless. There's always going, it's always going to lead to a fight. It's always going to lead to a broken relationship. And that's why when you want one thing, another person wants something else, you have to be willing to lay aside your pride and seek godly compromise. Like maybe you just get, you're just married and, Okay, so who, where are we going to go spend our first Christmas together as a married couple? Your parents or mine? Well, one year you're going to go her parents. Next year maybe you're going to go to your parents, whatever. Seek a compliment. It doesn't always have to be your way, my way. Seek a compromise. When you're getting... Well, you can come up with your own illustrations. I don't want to say some and then hit somebody right square between the eyes. Compromise is a sign of spiritual maturity. It's a sign of godly wisdom. Pride. Does anybody here have pride? Anybody here have... Um, have you ever had <laughs> destructive pride? Anybody? You're so honest, Stu. People need to be singing the new theme song. Make me more like Stu, Jesus. Make me more like Stu. Give me a heart that's... I'm teasing him, but you know, now that I brought his name up, and Freddie's not here right now, but he's here somewhere. We played soccer last Sunday afternoon whole bunch of guys down there and um, so I had to finish up locking up here at the church and got down a little bit late and got on the field and stuff and or on the court there whatever you call it and um, I got thinking and I haven't done this for over 30 years maybe longer I'm not sure if I should really go out there very long I had a blast now if you want to know somebody who takes soccer seriously this has nothing to do with my sermon but Bernie now, there's a soccer player. And he was an inspiration in goal. The guy, fearless. Next time we're going to have a soccer game, guys, you, you need to come. Ladies, you can come and watch. Can't play with the guys, but you can come and watch. Maybe the ladies have their own game, but um, it is great exercise. And there was a bit of conflict because we were playing against the Hispanics. The rest of the world against the Hispanics. Now, there's a conflict. That's in one corner. Pastor Roger was trying to get the ball, and I bumped him. <laughs> Pastor Roger, I'm so sorry. Kind of. But anyway, it was fun. There was no fights. Was there any fights? I didn't see any fights. Um, but it was, it was an awesome time, and you, you need to come. Um, that had nothing to do with my sermon. I don't know how I got on that rabbit trail, but... There's opportunities and times where you can meet somebody halfway. If you're married, you can say, okay, that, we'll go this one, and then we'll go this one. You know, with siblings, um, I'll take out the garbage today, and you do the dishes tomorrow, you know, or you do the vacuum. No, I'll take out the garbage today. Peyton, this is what you can say to your brothers. I'll take out the garbage today, and you guys clean the toilets. Compromise. 
I know, I know you guys don't have any fights over that, but where, whenever there's conflict, strive for if you can have a compromise. Pastor Roger mentioned it a few weeks ago. Godly compromise is not always 50-50. Sometimes it's 100-0 or 0-100. Philippians says, don't look out only for your own interest. That's pride. That's saying, i got to have it my way. I'm the most important. Everything else in the world revolves around me. I'm looking out for my interests. He says, don't do that. Now, we don't verbalize that, but take an interest in others too. Sometimes compromise means accepting someone for who they are instead of always trying to change them. I know it's getting personal now. You know what I'm talking about. That person could be a friend, could be a co-worker, could be a spouse. You know those quirks, those annoyances, the imperfections they have? Sometimes we cause conflict in our relationship because we get hung up on someone else's imperfection and we think we have to fix it. We think we have to change them. We say, you know what? I can't be happy until you change this. And we're saying this in our head. When you change that, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to help you change because you need to change. You know what ends up happening? You make yourself miserable, you make them miserable, and you hurt the relationship. I'm so glad Jesus accepted me while I was a blackened-hearted sinner. And how much sin could I get in at the age of seven? But I was a sinner. And Jesus accepted me just the way I was. Sometimes we want to change people. We need to ask ourselves, is, is this something that really I could just live with? Could I just let go? Is it something that I really want to turn into a conflict that could hurt our relationship? Or is it something that I could just accept about that person? Let it go and move on. There's things about your spouse that maybe you thought were cute when you were dating, right? You thought, I'm fine, I can let that go. But when you got married, it wasn't so cute anymore. You're thinking, I need to change that. I need to fix that. There's things about your friend, your co-worker. They're really getting on your nerves. i got to fix that. Our relationship refresher, we have one every Sunday. For this week, there it's in your bulletin. The most important trip you'll ever take is meeting someone halfway. The most important trip you'll ever take is meeting someone halfway. Doesn't mean that you're wrong and the other person is right. It just means that you value the person over the problem. You value the relationship more than the resolution. We're talking about biblical actions to embrace God honoring conflict. Never speak out of anger. Value the relationship over the resolution. Seek godly compromise. And then finally, surrender the relationship to God. Surrender the relationship. To God. Ultimately, this is the final point that our Strong Relationships teaching series has been leading up to. If you want your most important relationships to be the best they can, if you want them to be healthy, happy, and successful, then surrender the relationship to God. Dedicate your relationship to God and ask for His help. Honestly, this isn't something that you're going to be able to do on your own. When there's a conflict, friends, we need God's help. If you're living conflict-free, God bless you. Write a book. Whatever, right? It's amazing. But Psalm 37.5 says, Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. What relationship 
do you need to commit to God today? What relationship do you need to surrender to God and trust with him? What relationship are you having the most conflict? Is it at work? Is it with a brother or sister? With your parents? With a child? With your spouse? Your pastor? That police officer just gave you a ticket on the way to church, whatever. Could be a conflict with your parents or maybe it's your marriage or maybe you're butting heads with co-workers. In a moment, we're going to pray and I'm going to ask you to surrender through prayer that relationship to God, to give the relationship to him completely. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to value the relationship over resolution? Trusting God to bring about his resolution. Can we trust God that much? Can we invite him into that relationship and say, Lord, there's areas where I haven't been valuing this relationship. I've been button heads. I've been pushing my way. I've been overbearing. I've been whatever, you know. Help me to value the relationship over the resolution. Conflict in your most important relationships may occur. We can all be prideful and selfish. Not always going to agree, but listen, that's okay. It's okay to not always agree. It's all right. It doesn't mean we can't have a God-honoring relationship. It doesn't mean that the conflict we have can't lead to more creativity in our marriage, that it can't strengthen our relationship. That through the conflict, both of us can't become more and more like Jesus. That's the potential in conflict. For that to happen in our relationship, at home or with our boss, means bringing the relationship to God and trusting Him. God, help me in this relationship. I don't always want to come across thinking that, or, or making it look like I need to be right. Or my idea is always the best. Or my way of doing things is always the best. And if we will surrender our relationships to God and trust Him, He can take what seems to be broken right now and make it into something beautiful. Earlier, Kevin mentioned there's something going on in your family, some relationship, whatever. God can take the relationship if we give it to Him and He can help us to bring about a resolution and make sure that the person is always most important over the problem. If we'll invite Him into it. One of his names is Wisdom. And he said he'll give us wisdom if we'll ask him for wisdom. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Father, as we conclude this morning... There have been times, perhaps, any one of us in some situation we have spoke to quickly. Maybe in a way unloving or whatever. Lord, the enemy would love to be there as the accuser of the brethren. Continually accusing us. Making us feel less than what you want us to feel. Father, I pray that as we commit our relationships every relationship to you and ask for your wisdom 
and your help and your strength and your guidance that, Father, you will help us to honor relationships over resolution. Not avoiding the difficult discussions and things that we have to face, but valuing the person. Because, Jesus, you died for the person. You didn't die for the problem. You died for the person. Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't totally committed your life to Jesus. And we go through this every Sunday. If you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ, I invite you to do that right now. Inviting Christ into your life and asking him to forgive you. The greatest relationship we can have is with Jesus Christ as he restores our relationship with the Father because of the price he paid on the cross. His forgiveness restores that relationship. And then our restored relationship with the Father, he comes alongside to help us restore every relationship we have. And he wants to do that in your life this morning. Father, I thank you. You love us so, so very much. I thank you that, Jesus, you went to the cross to restore our relationship with the Father. Because the relationship was so important. And it was your primary focus that we might be restored to our Heavenly Father. May we be willing to commit our relationships to you, Lord Jesus, inviting you and trusting you Help us to value the people in our life. Help us to value one another over the problems and disagreements we may have. Help us to live in a God-honoring way. And I thank you, Lord, for the times we are doing that. And we're so grateful for your help and your strength. Thank you, Lord, for people who are modeling that in this room and modeling it at home. And help us where we maybe are deficient. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up his countenance on you, and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.